Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today we have an entrepreneur whose work spans pretty much the full range of skills when we think about engineering and digital innovation. He knows the hardware, he knows the software, he's using the digital data generated by his customers, and he brings this artisanal quality when tailoring his technology to specific applications in the clinical and life sciences. This is our first episode covering applications of virtual and augmented reality in healthcare. And I really can't think of a better person to introduce us to the subject. He's Mike McCardle, and he's Chief Product Officer at Lucid Dreams VR in Durham, NC. Mike, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and Lucid Dream VR? Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Glenn. Lucid Dream is a leading source of virtual and augmented reality for the life sciences industry. We like to say that we help pharmaceutical, medical device, and biotech companies do three main things. So we help them captivate their audiences, we help them boost employee performance, and we help them accelerate growth. And we do that using the latest wave of immersive VR and AR technology. Sure, I'm going to be talking a lot about the technology itself later on and kind of the different ways in which we use it to kind of hook into the user's brain. But essentially, this technology has transformed tremendously in the last decade and enabled companies to basically use it in very innovative and new ways. A headset, as a small example, that might cost $50,000 just five years ago, you can buy off the shelf for about $400. So it's a transformative time, and we're very excited about using this technology to transform life sciences and healthcare. Yeah, I was really eager to have you guys on the show because, as you mentioned, a few years ago, a lot of this VR, AR stuff, it seemed a lot more, I know it's an overused term, but it seemed a lot more like science fiction. Just one with the expense of the hardware that was required, the depth of the software that was required to get something more than just a demo product going. And now, honestly... It's fantastic to see the strides that the field has made just in such a short period of time. What do you think has accounted for that? Yeah, it's a great question. There is a lot of different factors, I would say, that that have gone into it. The most important factor is probably the device that most of us have in our pockets. So the smartphone has been a transformative aspect of our industry and virtual and augmented reality in general. It obviously has transformed the way we've lived our lives, for good or for worse, I'm sure. But specifically with VR and AR, all of the things that make a compelling virtual reality headset, for instance, are things like refresh rate, things like onboard fast computing, things like real-time measurement of uh, gyroscopic transformation data. And all of these things are things that the smartphone industry is racing towards and competing with each other to make these components and these capabilities better and better, cheaper, smaller, and more cost-effective. And it just so happens that all of those things work really well for virtual reality as well and for augmented reality. So it was really the smartphone that led to this latest revolution. Before the smartphone, before 2007, the iPhone, kind of hit the scene. Uh, Virtual reality headsets were highly custom and they were things usually used in military and research laboratories. This is where that $50,000 headset I was talking about earlier comes into play. So you could access okay to decent VR experiences, but you would do it in a research laboratory setting. And because of the smartphone, this technology has transformed rapidly. A gyroscope that might have cost $10,000 in the mid-90s now costs $12 per, for each device or each unit. And you can put a couple of those in a headset and it can start measuring where you're looking. So I would say the biggest single factor has been the smartphone revolution. That's really interesting. Before we dive too much into specifically what you're doing in healthcare, could you give us a little bit more of an overview of these other areas that you're working in as well? Where else is Lucid Dream innovating? 
Yes, our main focus is healthcare. We focus on three main areas. So we focus on call it commercialization opportunities. We focus on talent development, and we focus on manufacturing. So what do I mean by commercialization? We basically mean using virtual and augmented reality to accelerate marketing and sales to the next level. So some of our pharmaceutical or medical device or biotech clients might have existing ways that they're thinking about marketing and thinking about sales. And we usually fit into that picture in an innovative way. So we'll usually challenge our clients to try to think about in an ideal world where you had full engagement and full attention of your target audience, what would you do with that full engagement and full attention? And we can create experiences working backwards from that goal. For talent development, the other big area that we work in, we basically do a lot of work to increase both the scalability and the impact of training efforts within organizations. So this is is a lot of training. It spans a lot of different practice areas, but we have a lot of work we've done. And I'll talk a little bit later about some specific work we've done on, we'll call it soft skills training. I don't like that term because it's very hard to do it right, but more conversational, difficult conversation simulations, ethics and compliance training, kind of back and forth conversational training is uh, lends itself very well to VR technology. And then finally, manufacturing, we work as, we focus on kind of rapidly upskilling workers and we can translate standard operating procedures. We can translate training documentation for some of these big, complicated manufacturing lines, and we can make them into experience learning programs. I mean, that's a very exciting kind of growth area for us as well. Yeah. So do you find that maybe this is going a little bit too in-depth to begin with, but do you find that one of the main values of these VR and AR opportunities is that they are more immersive and so that people make more of their training and get more out of their training earlier by being in this more immersed setting so they can really sort of, I guess, imbibe the lessons of the training or how is it? Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I like to say that using this technology and just as to kind of level set and and make sure that everyone's on the same page, the headsets that we are talking about, the headsets that we have available to us are very, very, very good. They do not make you sick anymore. You can still have experiences that make you sick, but we design our experiences to be as comfortable as possible. And they trick your brain into thinking and accepting that it's in another space. The main impact of that is that your brain will comprehend and understand what it's looking at, the way it understands a new actual space that you might walk into and interact with. And our brains are very good at this. That's the environment that we evolved in was we need to understand three-dimensional spaces. Thinking about a kind of our evolutionary history, uh, monkeys and primates developed highly complex spatial orientation and processing centers in their brains because they needed to understand very complex environments, uh, twisted branching paths and trees and canopies. And they needed to understand what fruit would kill them and what fruit would not. And can I jump across this tree branch or can I not? And we inherit that legacy. You can walk Walk into a new room that you've never seen before, take one quick glance around and then close your eyes. I could blindfold you and you could probably describe the general dimensions of the room and what is where. And that is an incredible feat. So when we start tapping into those same centers of your brain that reality taps into, we can actually increase and boost engagement, but also retention. So you start to remember things the way you remember an actual lived experience. And that's what's really exciting for us using this technology. Yeah, so I definitely remember because even a few years ago when you would try putting on some of these VR or AR headsets, it's just they didn't feel real. Like it did seem like this sort of fake thing. But what you're doing by really actually tapping in to how, how the brain works and really making the person believe, essentially you're priming that neurological pump, so to say, yep. which then makes you ready to go and learn. 
That's exactly right. Great. It's an incredible ability. It's definitely a power. With great power comes great responsibility. We have to be stewards of our client's consciousness in a way that most people don't have to and don't have to think about. But in exchange for that, and when we have that mutual understanding, we can do incredible things using this tech. Well, that's really fun. Now that we sort of discussed a bit about the value AR and VR is providing, could you maybe give us a more better idea about how this is being applied exactly in the realm of healthcare and sort of where those value propositions are in healthcare? Absolutely. So a big problem in healthcare, there's multiple big challenges in the healthcare industry and the life sciences industry. So one challenge is on the provider side, medical error. It results in a tremendous amount of money being lost. It results in a tremendous amount of decreased productivity. It also results in a tremendous, unfortunately, a tremendous amount of injury and death. A lot of that comes down to the quality of training. It is very expensive and very hard to provide training for providers in a way that's scalable, repeatable, effective, and leads to retention. And providers are usually overworked. They don't have a lot of time. And let's say you have a new medical device that's a critical one. It improves all these different metrics. So the hospital purchases it, installs it, and then does a couple of trainings. And then after that, people's lives are on the line with how well the providers understand that system. So that's a huge area that we see immersive technology helping and kind of leading to hopefully a better outcome for all involved. Another big thing that a lot of our clients have as a challenge for them is they have highly complex subject matter expertise. And they have highly complex problems and highly complex solutions to those problems. And their challenge is they need to convey to their target audience, whether that be providers or patients or buyers or payers, they need to convey those solutions in a way that is understandable, that is digestible. And that's where three-dimensional kind of animation and interactivity comes in. So as we start to tap into those other areas of the brain, it becomes very helpful to have a tool like virtual or augmented reality at our disposal to tell highly complex complex stories in a way that is much easier for people to understand. Some of these stories are actually abstract, right? So they involve multiple systems piling on top of each other that are not easy to visualize within the human body. Maybe the stories are visualizable in, in a certain sense, but only if you have an electron microscope or only if you were on a magic school bus journey through the circulatory system. So that's where this type of immersive technology can come in to play as well to really help the situation. So that's a couple of the reasons why we're really excited about specifically this technology and life science and healthcare. Yeah, on the issue of training, especially as you mentioned that there are usually in medical applications, uh, multiple layers of highly complex sort of domain considerations and training considerations, and then also how the human's meant to interact with those training situations. As you know, the most extreme medical adverse events, they're also generally the rarest. So the times when your performance needs to be at its yeah. highest, you're going to have yeah. the least experience with those because yeah. they're rare. And so do these VR and AR training opportunities also just give people the chance to experience as authentically as possible sort of these rare events and really evaluate the sort of these edge cases in the cool yeah. setting where you need to perform the best? Yeah, that's exactly right. I couldn't have put it better myself. It's basically the, we like to say it's low frequency, but high risk. So you have these situations where you might encounter a situation like this once every five years, but for that one patient or for that one situation, it is a life or death situation. I mean, you need to make the right call or you need to operate the machine correctly or any number of factors. And so with an immersive training module, let's say, you would be able to practice and undergo the scenarios in an experiential way, not just a 
written test, not just an e-learning platform that you click through while you have other tabs open on screen, but you'd be able to actually experience it and go through it multiple times in your mind and keep fresh on it. Keep your skills up to date so that when that thing happens, when you hope it doesn't, but when it does, you are prepared. Yeah, I can imagine that the feeling of preparation that people get from iterating through these more rare clinical events and getting to see different deviations on it, because it's not just saying, okay, I now have experience working 12 times on a patient who has this event, but there's all these different subsequent paths that it can take. So for example, if a patient's having an adverse event and they react in way A to your initial treatment or way B to your initial treatment, and then you need to sort of go down those different rabbit holes and get more experience that way. Yes. And it allows the interactivity of our experiences allows that type of branching path or branching logic, which more accurately mimics the real world. Because the real world is, of course, highly interactive. If you do X, Y might happen. But if you do Z, A might happen or what have you. So there's a tremendous amount of variables that go into a real world situation. And we can start to capture some of that within an immersive context through branching paths. And is the idea that as trainees go through this experience, that there are the more experienced instructors or their classmates or their cohort also watching and gaining the experience and letting them know, well, you could have interacted with this situation this way, or is there some extra layer of monitoring on top of it? Yes, we will do both, we'll call them single user and multi-user experiences, and we'll do facilitated sessions as well. A lot of the times that facilitation happens asynchronously, you'll have a user go through a module, let's say a training module, and then everything that user does within that module, their actual experience of it, where they were looking, what they said, how they engaged, that's all being recorded with their consent, that's all being recorded and able for their manager or the facilitator to review with them kind of what happened, how things ended up, why they ended up where they ended up. And so that enables these conversations. And we've also done things where we have live facilitation, where you can have multiple people in the same experience at the same time interacting with each other. Uh, both have their benefits and challenges associated with them. I think asynchronous tends to be a lot more practical because it's a lot easier to align schedules, but at the expense of kind of immersion and in-the-moment learning. But even when we don't have that in-the-moment learning or in-the-moment interaction, we can facilitate facilitate some of that by having review uh, built into the experience. So a lot of the times when a user goes through an experience at the very end, we'll kind of take a highlights real approach and we will go back in time and we'll kind of examine the different scenarios and the choices they made, try to help them understand how they got there. Well, that seems to have a lot of really well-established learning value. So if you had to highlight some of the specific projects that Lucid Dream was working on healthcare, which ones would you want to talk about? A couple of them that I'd love to chat about just because they involve, these are projects that involve a lot of different kind of skill sets on the part of our team to create them, but also a lot of kind of a highly consultative and back and forth approach with our clients, which has, is always very rewarding. But the first one I'd like to talk about is a sales coaching module we created for Beringer Engelheim. Beringer Engelheim is a global pharmaceutical company. They make a variety of different drugs for different markets, and they have a presence here in RTP, they have a presence in Connecticut, and they came to us with basically a problem, which was 
another way of thinking about it is that they came to us with a challenge and they challenged us to provide a solution. And the challenge was, can we change the way they are conducting their sales manager training? So they wanted to generate leaders, the next generation of leaders. They wanted to make sure that their managers and coaches were able to have impactful conversations with their direct reports in a way that led to direct reports having increased confidence and increased abilities within the context of their day-to-day conversations and role. And so we did a brainstorming session with them. And one of our first things that we always ask is, what's the status quo? What do our clients do right now? And what are the challenges associated with that approach? So in this case, the status quo was written in in e-learning assessments combined with training materials and then coaching framework training sessions. So they would have facilitated sessions, they would have follow-up assessments, and then they would, that would basically be the training. They had also explored having different kind of facilitated sessions where you would have uh, role play scenarios, and, but those are kind of hard to scale. So we took that as kind of our mandate. We wanted to make a solution for them that was both highly immersive, but also highly memorable, impactful, but also scalable. So the problem with a role play scenario is, is very immersive. It's very impactful. It's very memorable, but it's not really scalable because it's very hard to get all these actors in a room or all these facilitators and, and fly people out for these sessions. It's very expensive and airfare alone, in addition to all the other factors involved. So that was kind of our mandate. The solution we came up with was an interactive training module. So the interactive module that we had brainstormed basically involved in-the-moment decision-making and a choose-your-own-adventure decision tree and choose-your-own-adventure kind of framework. And so within that, we would present the user with a difficult conversation. And the difficult conversation would would happen at two levels. We had two modules for the initial project. One is an experienced sales professional. They had great success, but they had very little respect for the proper way of doing things. They had very little time for proper procedures and compliance. And so you had to have a difficult conversation with them. You had to actually earn their trust in that. And then the other was with a more junior sales employee who was kind of unsure about his direction with the company and unsure of how to take this feedback and how he could best incorporate it into his kind of day-to-day role. So we had these two scenarios and we decided to design an experience that involved kind of a choose-your-own-adventure branching path. And so in order to make that happen, we had to find actors, we had to have them role play and go through a variety of different scenarios. And we had to film it in 360 degrees, basically in 3D. So they were looking at the user, but the user was a camera. So they were acting to a camera, they were doing multiple, multiple takes, they were doing different ways of saying things, different body language. And then we have an intelligent system within our framework that can pick the response based on how the user is responding in the moment to that conversation. So the general flow of the conversation is the user would be looking at their direct report and they would be engaging with that direct report at different points along the experience. So the direct report would ask you a question, you had to respond. You had to respond with your voice. So you actually spoke to them and then they reacted based on the responses that you selected. And then at the end, we had kind of a free association or free response section. And we were capturing data throughout the entire experience. So we knew not only how long it took them to answer every question, but we knew where they were looking, what they were doing, and what they were saying at the end of the experience. And that was a very immersive and very impactful project for us. It was a very exciting one. It required a lot of back and forth to get the script aligned, to make sure the script was natural, but also hit all the kind of story beats that the client wanted to say, hit all of the kind of training content that they wanted to 
convey. And then we had to work with very talented actors to make sure that they could pull it off and make sure that they could do this fairly intense filming session, which is different from a traditional film shoot because it's very hard to take, it's very hard to cut in the middle of a scene. It's very hard to hide things like lighting and, and the director when it's a 360 degree camera. So we kind of worked through all of that and the results spoke for themselves. The results were fantastic. Berenger and Gohan did an internal assessment and survey after we deployed. We had two waves of deployment where we sent out headsets to over 70 participants and they, in the convenience of their own locations, their own homes underwent the training modules and kind of submitted their responses tied to their emails. And then when they were kind of surveyed as a follow-up, over 70% of those participants said the VR experience was an effective modality for aspiring leaders and coaches. And 84% said the situational judgment evaluation and the training scenarios challenged their thinking and led to increased learning. And the results of the experience itself bore that out. So their test results, their assessment results were very high after they underwent that immersive module. So that was a really fun project. Yeah, that does sound really cool, especially the idea that by them being more engaged in these things, you know, you can sort start taking these things more seriously. I think one of the big problems with training, you know, basically in any industry is that training isn't frequently taken very seriously. And so at least by hacking into the brain a little bit better, you can get more of that experience where you are starting to take it seriously. If the, I guess, some of these experiences that you guys are engineering are essentially things meant to engage and have that extra hook of engagement so that it doesn't seem like it's all these sort of vanilla training experience, right? Throw people for a loop a little bit, and that sort of gets them caught in and trying to work harder and actually actively engaging. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's kind of this interesting phenomenon where you had a traditional e-learning module or heaven forbid, a packet, <laughs> a big packet you had to work through that you got in the mail, a big PDF or booklet. It might be kind of hard to ensure compliance with that. And when the user complies, it might be a thing where they're, they have the packet open in one hand, but then they have Netflix queued up on their remote in the other hand. And so we have this scenario with these training modules, with these VR training modules, where people are interested in the technology, they're interested in undergoing the experience. And because of that, they're willingly engaging with this training content. So they're willingly putting on the headset, they're willingly engaging with it, and they're actually having fun and they're learning a lot more too. So it's kind of a win-win. As long as we are careful to design the right type of experience and make sure that the learning objectives are out there because it's very easy to have fun without learning a lot of things in VR. There's a bunch of underwater simulations and shooters and all that stuff, but, but we try to focus on more practical use cases. Well, I'm not sure what exactly is more practical than swimming around, you know, in the abyssal plains <laughs> looking at anglerfish. That's very um, true. That's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, eventually when you're training people scuba dive, there you go. Yeah. I'm a bit curious, again, because one of the one things I think is very interesting is that, as you mentioned, that you are having to essentially tailor and engineer these training experiences. One of the, I think, main problems with any type of training is that, again, it does feel very vanilla. It feels like it wasn't really made for you. It's just yeah. sort of something that some person just sort of passed on down and maybe it feels like it came from 50 years ago. Whereas this, yeah. you part of the value that you are adding is that you are very much personalizing it. At the very least, you're tailoring it to the company, if not actually personalizing it to the individual vis-a-vis yes. -vis the rabbit holes that they can go down. So this yes. isn't just, again, some bland experience that some external contract employees this is you've actually created a very tailored experience so you can get more of that value 
Yeah, and we kind of don't have a choice in a lot of ways, which is a weird way to put it because it, it's a huge thing that adds value when we work with our companies and our clients to design these experiences in a highly custom way. But we don't have a choice because we have this immersive technology, but it's a newer technology. And we would not be good stewards of the technology if we kind of prescribed off-the-shelf solutions. And so one of the things where it kind of gets us out of bed in the morning is this kind of consultative back and forth. So we have consulting as our background is kind of built into the, the DNA of our company. In fact, my co-founder was a sales management consultant for many years before we together started Lucid Dream. And because of our consultative DNA, we end up having these conversations with clients, which lead to incredibly unique solutions that are kind of tailor-made to them because they have to be. In order to solve the problems that they have with this immersive technology, we kind of have to think together about how best to approach it. And it's never a dull moment. It's a very exciting time. Yeah. So is it sort of like the idea that given how engaging the technology is, you either need to create an exceptional product for your customers or you will look absolutely ridiculous. So you <laughs> sort of have to swing for the fences. Yeah, you kind of do. There's no wiggle room to kind of do something in a half-baked way. And there's really no reason to do that. If you wanted to use virtual reality to create a kind of boring, staid training experience, I would say if you want to do that, more power to you. But there's no reason to use this incredible technology. It's like buying a Ferrari and then just going down to the grocery store and picking up milk and then coming back and obeying all speed limits. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like, why do it? It's such a powerful technology that it demands highly custom solutions that are tailored and impactful and kind of resonating ways. The only thing I just heard from you was don't buy milk and break the law. <laughs> That's right. Don't buy milk and break the law. That's the number one takeaway out of this yeah. entire interview. <laughs> well, Mike, I think with that piece of roguish advice, we're at a good breaking point for part one of this episode. It's been great hearing about your strategy in healthcare. You know, unlike many companies looking just to expand to as many new customers as rapidly as possible, you're creating bespoke products, not only tailored to the company, but also tailored to the individual user and that user's potential decision space. It seems like a really promising solution to help clinicians become proficient at those rare clinical edge cases and the different ways in which a rare emergency scenario may play out. When we come back for part two, I'd like to ask you about a subject that's high interest to many of us in the digital healthcare space, which is the digital record created by users interacting with your products and how you use that data to further improve your product. After that, we can jump into another fantastic healthcare product of yours, which is using VR and AR to simulate disease burden, which has a lot of opportunity to help clinicians, engineers, and even family members better understand and address a patient's challenges and needs. So talk to you in part two. Sounds good, Glenn. Talk to you then. Well, that's it for this episode of the Pod of Asclepius. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune in for our next episode. If you're watching from YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and leave a like. You can also follow us on our other social media channels, including LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Have a great story or presentation that's ready for prime time? Or know someone who does? Drop Glenn an email because he'd be happy to hear from you. We would like to thank our sponsors from the American Statistical Association section on Statistical Learning and Data Science, section on Medical Devices and Diagnostics, and North Carolina Chapter. The views expressed on the show are those of the speaker and not their employers, our sponsors, or anyone else not saying the words. <laughs>